0: Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their on boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode 275 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Today, I am catching up with an old friend, Will the Kill Chope. How the heck are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing
0: well, bro. I think the last time we talked was I was in quarantine in Korea. This was, like, when COVID first was still, like, fully started. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That was the only good thing about quarantine is we had so much time. that Like, we would just catch with old friends and just everybody, like, you never had to be, like, are you busy? Like, because everyone's just at home.
0: Yeah. And also, too, traveling, like, because when I went to Korea, I had to do, like, 14 days quarantine. When I went to Bangkok, I had to do, like, 14 days, like, that hotel quarantine shit. It was ridiculous and very, very, expensive.
1: I I never <laughs> yeah. ever want to do that again.
0: Never. Uh oh, it's was a
1: waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> so you, let, let's rewind all the way back so, cuz I know you've done a lot since then, but do you remember what year we first met?
0: Uh it was 2011 at uh, Puget Top Team.
1: Wow, you have a good memory. Yeah. I guess you, you haven't been <laughs> well, hit hit as much in the head as I as I had imagined.
0: Now it's funny it's funny uh they say the more fights I keep getting I get like the opposite of punch drunk
1: <laughs> you know what? I honestly, I like like you've been in how many fights now
0: uh I just had my 134th pro fight it's in Dubai
1: insane. just a, a week ago it's yeah. insane and in 2011 you were still like in the beginning of your journey do you remember how many you had when we met
0: that was a uh... That was the, the the busiest year I've ever had. In 2011, I think I fought almost 22, I think 22 times. That's I insane. fought that year. Yeah,
1: so that was the craziest he, year. He, okay, so here's what's crazy for everyone listening at home is Will and I met, what, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, and we were kind of on the same path at the time. You had basically just started your, your professional uh, fighting career. I was aspiring to be a professional fighter. Uh we were both training at the same gym, Phuket top team. You know, we we both had a couple fights um in that Phuket area. And I wasn't very good. <laughs> like I think I wasn't very dedicated. Uh I was definitely not as dedicated as well. And then just skill wise, I didn't have the natural ability to, to, you know, make it very far in and at least more Thai. So I, I ended up kind of venturing way and doing other things but will you continued on that path these whole 13 years
0: yeah <laughs> i feel i don't know if you you feel like this either but like after you've been in a a fist fight or you've been in so many pro fights i feel like everything else feels dull mm. compared, you know what i mean like and um it's hard for me to want to do anything else like that, that can give me a same adrenaline rush or that same uh the same love I have for fighting. Granted, you have to love fighting because it's different. Because people go through a journal after fighting and hate it and feel terrified, never want to do it again. But I, I just was the opposite. I just I love that rush. So,
1: you know that, that I think that's that's the reason why you were able to continue while people like me stopped because I hated it from the first fight I ever. Had, maybe the first fight before I ever got hit. I had you know I was excited. I was like, oh yeah, this can be easy. <laughs> and then the first time you get hit by a professional, you're like, okay, actually, we know what the hell did I get myself into. Every fight I've had since then, I I couldn't sleep for twenty four hours before. I couldn't eat. Uh, no, not just from like cutting weight, but just I I physically couldn't eat. I was so stressed. And the entire time, I was stress in- and
0: anxiety is a lot, and I and I still suffer with that too. Like with the anxiety right before fight, I don't really start to feel it until the actual day of the fight, though. Mm. But I get like all that. That hurry, that hurry up and wait, feeling that like time is going by super slow yet so Mm -hmm. fast at the same time. It's such a, the weird anxiety and stress you get on on fight day. And some fighters feel that for months, and they don't handle it well. And I'm maybe it's because I have enough uh, so many fights now, but I only really feel that on the actual fight day.
1: And And on on the actual fight day itself. uh, Okay, so let's say the round starts, first round starts you hear the bell. Does that go away, or are you still nervous? in the ring
0: oh as soon as they call my name i start i feel extremely relaxed like that walk out and once i fight i feel great it's just the waiting until you get called out but i feel i I relax like really well the crowd doesn't bother me like yeah it doesn't really bother me Um, maybe it did my first like i would say my first 20 or so fights it it bothered me a lot but eventually i got past that and now it's just I i don't know i feel peace when they call me out now
1: you know, actually, yeah, you, so you made a good weird. point earlier about how no other job can give you that same sense of adrenaline or excitement. And I was actually going to ask you why you continue doing it because I'm sure it doesn't pay as well as you know some other work you could be doing. Uh, it's a lot harder on your body. It's a lot more stressful. A lot more dangerous. Obviously, you know, is it? Is it? Can you imagine yourself doing something else? Have you tried? Uh, you know, getting away from the fight game and do something else?
0: Well, like my retirement plan, uh, I'm not sure. I, maybe I talked to you a little bit. This was years ago, already years ago. As when we fought, when I, when I talked to you in Korea, uh, I run a show called Thailand Fighting Championship. Mm-hmm. I'm the actual promoter and owner of TFC of Thailand Fighting Championship. So I, I do want to stay in the fight industry. I, I do coach all, all the time as well. Like eventually, eventually, if I, when I retire from fighting, maybe in ten years, I'll, I'll be like a full time coach and full time promoter that that's that's kind of my my plan and where i want to go that's my plan b so to speak mm-hmm. and and right now i'm slowly building the tfc brand like little by little and but eventually like in five to ten years i do hope it to be a more full-time full-time job but right now it's just kind of a part-time event that i do a couple times a year
1: okay when when was the last time last one and when's the next one
0: um my next one is may 27th in uh in malaysia actually i'm doing a road to tfc event so we're doing our first international event uh and my last one was forget earlier this was it earlier this year no no it was last last year last uh december last december was my last event
1: yeah that's cool it's smart that you have this planned transition because like our bodies don't last forever like and we're probably almost the same age now if we met 12 years ago what do you know
0: I'm 32
1: now yeah i man. look older my
0: face is more fucked up you look younger than me
1: <laughs> i mean i haven't been hit in the head as much <laughs> actually it's funny oh, I, i'm with my buddy chris Low here and i showed him uh, i was talking about you and he pulled you up on share dog and he says oh he looks good he looks young on share dog and then he looked at your instagram yeah. was like well, okay now he looks like he's he's been through 100 plus fights <laughs>
0: Yeah, my my, inst- or my share dog picture, I think, was, like, from 2014. I was still, like, 23 in that picture. But, uh, yeah, 10 years difference in the pictures. And even my uh, my topology pictures from 2011, Michael Galvin took that photo that's on my topology I remember picture. that. So it's he was kind took- funny, yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember he was a photographer <laughs> during my fight. So that was a long time yeah. ago.
0: Yeah, a long time, yeah. So it's, it's funny when people look me up on topology share dog, they're like, oh, look at this young skinny guy. They don't realize I'm way bigger and look way older now yeah <laughs> well you know what thank god you don't...
1: I, i'm so happy you're not walking around at 145 anymore because you were way too skinny
0: yeah it was like unhealthy skinny and i don't really know why why I, I was always like naturally skinny but granted you remember those days like i'd eat at tony's restaurant on a tab like twice a day and that was it and i would just have yeah. two small Thai meals a day and i was just pad supper at all.
1: the the fried, yeah. fried rice with pineapple i remember that still <laughs>
0: Uh, you remember that, and it, like when you said that, I'm like, "Yo, I don't really eat that shit anymore." <laughs> I, I feel like haunted by that now. <laughs> I remember I, the remember cheap, cheap food that I that I survived off of, I feel like I can't eat it anymore. It's, it's
1: weird. So I remember <laughs> we ate that once or twice a day, and then we would go to this was it was it thirty or forty baht Thai buffet. Do you remember that all the all you can eat Thai spot? Yeah,
0: yep. I uh, that guy. It was like a special thing, like going on uh, on the way to the Big Buddha. But he's not there anymore but he was there for a while and after you showed me that place i used to go there quite often <laughs>
1: yeah, i mean that was that was all the protein you were getting <laughs>
0: yeah i was like oh my God. it was funny if you wanted an extra rice you had to pay 30 baht for the rice but the but if you got one scoop of rice you can get any as many dishes as you want but if you wanted extra rice you had to pay 30 more baht
1: yeah and then, <laughs> was it wasn't was it really only 30 baht is that what i remember yeah, it was thirty bucks and he charged for drinks. But I
0: think we, me and you, were so cheap we used to drink water.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, you At know what? <laughs> and to be fair, we weren't just cheap; we were legitimately broke.
0: Yeah, like people don't don't realize, and a lot of people always ask me too, like, if I come to Thailand, can I fight? Can I live off it? To you, I'm like, yo, you could totally live off your fight money and come here and fight, and you fight often. But I was like, there's two things you got to be like okay with the lifestyle. And like how cheap and how cheap you got to make shit. And number two, you got to actually fight. And I think a lot of people mentally think they can come over here and fight all the time the way I've done. But I, I have only seen a few guys in this over 10 plus years that have done something similar or has fought a lot. Most of the guys that come here, they fight once or twice. Then they're like, ah, it's not for me. The money's not good enough or this and that. And they they end up going back home. So
1: Yeah, I mean, people don't realize that when you're still – I mean, I guess what we would consider an amateur in the US, but here it's there's there's they kind of skip that phase and you just have like a low level professional fights. So you still yeah. you're still fighting in a in a stadium, no uh you know, you don't get like elbow pads or like shin guards or right anything. No, no head protection, full
0: elbows, full knees. And what's crazy too now, especially Pukep. I don't know if when's the last time you've been to Pukep, but Phuket is so overcrowded, so busy these days, and they got really really high level fighters that fight at Bangla stadium and fight at the local Thai stadiums. And so it's really like roll of the dice too, like who you're going to fight. You might fight some really, really fucking good high level guys that guys that are sponsored, trying to like live out there the way, the way we tried to, or you might fight like a tourist and you really don't know. It's really roll the dice. A lot of times you don't know who you're fighting until one or two days before the fight or the actual day of the fight. So it's, yeah, it's still a lot of risk, you
1: know? So actually on my, uh, so I've had I think 6 fights total. 6 pro fights total and a couple random like um you know those you know what do you, what do you call those those Ko Penyang, uh fight for a bucket fights you know kopak
0: at the bar fight for a bucket yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: uh okay. I never did all of those either but <laughs> I remember so my on my fifth actual like pro fight I went up against a guy in Chiang Mai that was legitimately good. He was he was tall like Like he was like almost your height. You're I think you're 6'4, right? Yeah. Yeah. This guy was at least 6'2, probably thin, but like, you know, strong. And like he probably had a hundred fights on his belt. And he was just tough as shit. Like, I the I like like I got outclassed by him in every single possible way. The only reason why I got lucky and I somehow knocked him out was I was just much bigger than him. And I just kept going forward. And I think by the you know end of the the second or third round he was like this isn't worth me like fighting this guy for for 5000 bot you know like he so <laughs> yep. i so i don't know if i knocked him out or he took the fall but either way it was kind of like uh i got lucky and then a few like a month later i was going to have another fight and i and i specifically said like who am i fighting i i never want to fight that guy again and they said don't worry it's someone else it's someone else another Thai guy this guy, you know, this guy only, you know, the, this new guy only has 20 fights. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And I get to the fucking stadium. And guess who I see?
0: <laughs> Same guy. The,
1: yeah. And I was like, I should have just, I, honestly, I should just called it off. I should just been like, no, I'm not fighting him again. Like, there's, there's no way I'm going to beat him again. And this time he's probably going to come out for revenge. And he yeah. beat the crap out of me. He elbowed, the, you know, he... Uh, I think our our noses were both smaller when we met. Yours definitely has sewed up a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been released broken one or two more times since 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 we last seen yeah. each other. <laughs> and, yeah,
1: and he just destroyed me with elbows. and I was just like okay i i I'm done like this this is it. but like you never know what you're gonna get, you know i've I've also had, you know, like overweight, you know, uh, retired um muay thai fighters who are now taxi drivers that just do it for the for the for the paycheck i've had young guys who you know were smaller and less experienced than me but then then randomly i would get like someone who's taller than me and more experienced so like you you like you, you know and then you know what you mentioned like you might even get some guy who's like an actual pro is it's really just roll the dice
0: yeah yeah and it's crazy because well, you fought Kolanta, you fought Puke, and you fought Chiang Wai. So mm-hmm. you fought a lot of Muay Thai more than a lot of other people than that come to Thailand and say they're going to come fight. Or because is real big, you know, all these MMA fighters that try to come over and they come over to Thailand. They can't get MMA fights, but they don't want to fight Muay Thai. And I'm just like, yo, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you don't know, if you don't want to fight, then go home. You know, so it's weird. You
1: know what's, what's crazy is there was a a book, a, a book that came out that joe rogan was talking about like many many years ago i thought the name of it it was like a fighter like a fighter's journey or a fighter's heart or some fighter's heart i think it was yeah could be whatever it was but at at the end of it he never actually even fought
0: yeah that guy never fought either and like he was at he he actually visited tiger i know like i don't i don't know him but i know guys who do know who have who actually did know him but that's Mm -hmm. the good thing that's the thing about no offense to some author i know you're an author but there's other authors that they're good at writing but they didn't actually experience the shit they're saying but they're good at writing they're good with their words and they're can explain like other people's journey but it made it seem like he was talk about a fighter's heart but he actually never fought so i don't really like i don't really like that guy or at least what yeah. i heard of him so i mean so to be honest
1: <laughs> i ended up not reading the book after i heard the kind of the spoiler alert that he had never actually stepped in the ring. i was like what am I gonna read? Like, what am I reading then? It's like re- watching a, you know, a four hundred page, you know, erotic, you know, uh erotic book where they never end up having sex with them. Like, why, why? Why would <laughs> everything? Uh, oh man. Yeah, at least
0: that's one thing. Like, because you're the book, first book that you started with. Like, at least you've lived a life and you've done it, done it all cheap, started from nothing, built your like built up slowly. Yeah. yeah, I, I hate I, like I got... authors who pretend they're something else just because they have a good imagination or they hear other people's stories, but they make it seem like their own story. It drives mm-hmm. me nuts.
1: Yeah, but you know that's you know that's, it's kind of the the fantasy novel world, right? That's the difference between fiction and nonfiction. But it, the no, line's no, blurred. I,
0: mean, yeah. I mean, like people talk about like real, like, like I'm just using that that book fighter's heart as an example. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I'm. I know it's <laughs> different. I know the difference between like fantasy and sci-fi and drama and all that <laughs> yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah but with, yeah i understand like when you're
1: when you're when the lines are a little bit too blurred you're just like ah, uh, is this based on a true story or you know is it actually a true story if yeah, that makes yeah. sense right but yeah yeah those days were crazy I, I remember so i mean so to be to be honest i remember for me it was more just like an experiment i think from day one that i met you like you already knew you you, you this was gonna be a career and I think for me, I was just kind of testing the waters. I was also working as a dive master at the time. So I would do six months of scuba diving. Yeah. And then I would do six months of this. I had a blog. And I remember thinking, actually, I, it was, I was inspired by you. When I saw how cheap you are living, I was like, you know what? I wonder if I can actually live on just the fight purses. And it was also just a way to save money because I legitimately was broke at the time as well. And I remember, more, I mean, and still today, but even back then, if you pay the actual, like, camp rate, like, as a tourist to these MMA or Muay Thai gyms, it's fucking expensive.
0: Bro, these gyms cost – people don't realize. People think coming to Thailand is cheap, but if you pay the tourist rates, the typical normal rates to train at a gym like Tiger Muay Thai or even Puka Top Team, it's the equivalent of, like, $400, US dollars, if not more. Like, Tiger, I think, is $500 US dollars for unlimited training, all that full access to the gym and all the classes. It's outrageous. You have to be sponsored to to like be trained at those gyms and live at these gyms and, and or to like live the life. If you're not sponsored and you just come over here, if you're just coming over for a month and want to train, cool, great, pay it because it's actually worth it. But if you're but if you're wanting to make a living and be over here full time and be a fighter and you can't pay these gym rates, they're, they're like they're outrageous. They're literally outrageous. Yeah, the especially more, than, more than the you know, US. Western countries. Yeah.
1: But you know, I I I would try to figure out why it was so more so much more expensive in Thailand than in California, for example. And then I went to a couple classes in California, like the best Muay Thai schools, and I realized the difference is in the U.S. or in probably a lot of countries when you pay, you know, hundred or hundred fifty bucks a month or whatever it is, you get access to a group class where there's maybe one trainer who may or may not have you know fought and. Yeah. You have 30 students and you hold pads for each other. And none of us, you know, especially when you're starting out, like none of us are good pad holders. And, uh, in Thailand, you always get one actual trainer, like a, like a, like actively fighting trainer or like recently retired trainer for every, maybe four students. And he holds pads. So I think that's why it costs so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Way, way more, um, and you got like just fighters from all over the world. I feel like Thailand's the only place you can go to your training park is going to be guys from UK, Australia, maybe Japan, like, like Chinese uh, fighters, people from all over the world, all at one gym. And it's the only place in the world where you can really experience that. And yeah, like you said, the amount of instructors for one class is much more. So um, I definitely think it's worth it. If you are a tourist and want to come over and train for a month, and also the tourist... Have, has driven up the price as well because there's so many people that go to Thailand and they're like, oh, I read online to go train Muay Thai and they, they, they never trained before in their home countries or maybe they just watched a Van Damme movie. They come mm-hmm. over to Thailand, they, they, they train and it's just a touristy thing to do as well and you have to be careful if you're like a serious fighter or even just a serious fitness guy to like find out which classes to join that are the serious classes and which ones are the touristy fun classes. And and you, depending on your goals, it you might be different. with what you want, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the um. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm just gonna kill the video just because the the internet's a bit laggy. You. So you can kill yours as well. But I was gonna say the uh, the kind of secret a lot of people don't realize is the the correct way to do it is the first month pay for it like you're a you know like you're a tourist because you're you, you know you are new. Uh, Unless, obviously, you've had a lot of experience somewhere else. But after the first month, ask the gym, you know, can you fight? Uh, And if they think that you're ready or they're willing to let you fight, especially if you represent the gym well, if you win that fight, usually they let you train there for free after as long as you continue to fight for that gym.
0: Yeah, you can either get free training or heavily discounted training. Um, Yeah. Yeah, very common.
1: So that's what I did. Uh, at Phuket Top Team, I I fought for them. Uh, I I I'm sh- I'm sure I I don't remember because more than ten years ago. I'm pretty sure I paid the first month like like I did like a normal tourist. Uh, maybe I did like the half like half rate package or something like where I trained once a day, not twice a day. Um, and then after my first fight, I basically talked to them. I said, "Hey, I want to try to do this full time. Can I you know uh can I fight for you and get sponsored?" Uh, I also had this more Thai blog where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll promote you guys. Um, and they said they agreed. So the training all of a sudden was, was free. And then instead of living in like a nice apartment, do you remember those bamboo huts we moved into?
0: Yeah, we lived in those bamboo huts. If we had, if we paid for them, it was a hundred dollars a month. But if you didn't pay for them, like I was sponsored. So I got a one for free <laughs> and they had nothing. It was a tatami mat on the floor with a mosquito net and a fan. that was it
1: (laughs) i i remember watching them get built in like six hours as well from nothing yeah
0: oh man it's crazy though like i think about that now and i'm just like i don't think i could ever live like that again I, i when i was young and going through the the rigors trying to make my name it was like i had so much fun and those memories are some of the fondest memories i have but fuck, I don't know if I can live without air conditioner ever again, especially now, like it's dry season. It is so hot in Thailand right now. I'm like, how did I do it? I always like looking back at myself and just wonder like, wow, how did I do that? <laughs>
1: <So> here, <yeah. laughs>
0: maybe because my life, my life is so spoiled now. I just like, oh, I can never do that again.
1: <laughs> I had the exact same conversation with my buddy, Chris, who's out here with me. Uh, and, <laughs> I remember my first seven years I was in Thailand, I never used the AC, like not even once. I remember always sleeping with just the fan. Uh, I would purposely rent the fan bungalows, which were cheaper. And I was like, I I remember I was hot at night. I would sweat a bit. Well, I'd probably wake up like full sweat, but I was so used to it. It was normal. And this time, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and th- this time I tried for the first night, I tried to sleep with just the window open and a fan. I couldn't do it. I just I, I'm like I just could not fall asleep. So now of AC now you've been you've been in Europe time. too
0: long, used to the cold.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
0: I don't blame you at all, bro. I can't do it either, man. No way. Yeah. No but way. <laughs> I,
1: I also reminisce about those times because I mean I, I still kind of like daydream about that hut. I think it's it's on my YouTube channel somewhere. I'll I'll try to link it, but it, it's called like building a bamboo hut and six hours or something and yeah. they literally just took like big pieces of bamboo and just cut it up built these like little mini like t- super tiny homes like one room tiny homes the small little like bamboo balcony it
0: was like two meter two meter by two meter that was it it was like yeah two by two,
1: by two meters yeah had a and- little
0: balcony which was cool i remember you had a hammock on your balcony it was great was pretty cool yeah <laughs> yeah it was it wasn't bad like it wasn't it was good at the time, but I just can't, I couldn't imagine doing it now. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> but to all the young 18 and 19 year olds who have dreams to come out, I'm like, yo, do that. Go through that. Cause you need it. You need so, it to,
1: he- to, to, yeah. Go. For here, here, here's my question is, is that still possible today?
0: Totally possible. Totally possible to go get like a Thai style apartment. Uh, even to the, to this day, I always tell guys to, to fight Muay Thai. Cause like when you're in America, and if you fight MMA or kickboxing or even Western boxing in America, your standard fight purse might be about a little over $1,000, which is most people's rent in America these days, especially with this, the cost of living. And if you're in Thailand and you fight in Bangla Stadium, you can make five to 7,000 baht. And that's usually people's rent. And 5,000 baht is usually a semi-decent Thai-style place. It might not be a touristy place, but it's a Thai-style place. And if you're fighting for your rent, I feel like that's a decent fight purse, still to this day. Like if you compare the cost of living in Thailand compared to, to America, granted, yeah. if you're just talking about pure cash, it's not a lot of money. But, but you're you're gonna you can at least pay your rent if you fight once a month, and and if you yeah, got so- other little side gigs or side stuff you can do. A lot of people teach English online and do stuff like that. Especially ever since the world went fully fully digital during COVID, um, a lot of stuff like there's a lot of online money-making opportunities. People live overseas now and do a lot of stuff online and try to chase their passions. So,
1: Yeah, and it's much easier now, or at least more straightforward now than it was you know, 11, 12 years ago. Uh, I just looked yeah. at 5,000 bot is $146. And I remember that's actually the exact purse I got when I fought. So it looks like the prices haven't gone up at all.
0: Yeah, the prices have roughly stayed the same unless you can actually... But what... The, the, the reason I know is because uh, through TFC, I've actually done shows at Bangla Stadium and I've done shows at Rawai Stadium with my promotion. If you have a good relationship with the promoters and you can personally sell tickets, especially to all the tourist members of the gym, you can really double your fight purse if you're able to sell tickets. And there's actually a big commission on the, the ticket sales, mm-hmm. uh, much bigger commission than at other gyms. So there's definitely ways to hustle and make more money fighting. The, the, the risk is probably gambling on your own fight. Uh, that's the riskiest, but if you, can, <laughs> if, you, if you, if you gamble on your own fight or you sell tickets or whatever, there's other ways to make extra money where you can double or triple your purse like quite easily.
1: So I remember, uh, during those couple of months where I was trying to live off of just my five purse, I, I would make 5,000 from, from the one fight, my rent, I was paying for my, my bamboo hut, but it was only, it was 3,000. So I had 2,000 left. Um. Part of that went to just tipping my, my corner man and, you know, the, the, the guys at the gym. So I probably had like a thousand left and that's only $30 for a month of food. And it just, it just wasn't enough, even though we were eating $1 meals, literally. Uh, so do you remember what my side hustle was while I was, I was there?
0: No, I don't remember exactly. I know you had some shit online that you were doing. So I, I had my, exactly. yeah.
1: So I had my Muay Thai blog, but that made so little. I think that made like 30 bucks a month. Uh, but I also was selling chia seeds. I was slanging chia seeds from the gym.
0: Oh yeah, no, I do remember that now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was the most random thing. It was literally like I had read somewhere, probably but you know from Tim Ferriss or something that it was healthy. I I couldn't find it anywhere, so I had to, and the only one that would sell it to me was in bulk. You know, I'd have to buy like five or ten kilos at a time or something. So I decided, you know what? Let me just split this up and just sell it to people at the gym just just to kind of get rid of it and i realized you know what this was like another way to make money
0: (laughs) do you remember malik malik side hustle he was selling weed on the side but it's funny now because weed's legal on thailand but like back in the day it was super super fucking risky (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) that guy was a crazy guy whatever happened to malik
0: malik ended up overstaying his visa like he like lived here didn't do visa runs and he did it for like over a year and then eventually eventually he had to leave like everybody of course and then he got blacklisted uh, uh and he's back in america now but yeah so he like and as far as i know he hasn't really five and talked to him in years to be honest but uh yeah but he's one of the guys i remember from that era from when me and you were both in puka top team
1: yeah so i <laughs> him i remember and then i remember the guy that brought him over that was really trying to shape malik because malik was a pretty young fighter Lots of like natural skill, lots of natural charisma. Kind yeah. of reminded me of like a young um, uh, who's, who's the bo- the super famous boxer, uh, 50 and oh, Mayweather. Yeah, they kind of like had the same swag, kind of you know, had that same attitude. Yeah, yeah same
0: swag. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: so yeah, I remember
0: Malik Papuikow. I'm not sure if you remember that. Either. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, yeah he, I mean, he lost, but still, he, fought, he had some big, big fights actually. And he was really good at Muay Thai, but, uh, but yeah,
1: <laughs> but a crazy. lot of people
0: like they come to Thailand they want to live that life. They, they, they get in holiday mode and they just never want to go back. They well, I was, I used to always make the joke, like Thailand, people go to Thailand and they're like in, on holiday mode for a few months and they don't want it to end. And then they overstay. And, <laughs> and if you're not being, if you don't become a useful, useful or find a good way or a healthy way to make money or legal way to do stuff, then you got to, you're going to get in trouble and he's one of those guys that got in trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it could have been a lot worse. It, it could have been a lot yeah, worse. Yeah. So that's good that he he made it out somehow. Um but yeah, that's amazing that he fought Blue Even with the with, with the loss, it's it's still uh you know, a still big, big
0: deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So his mentor, who is also training at our gym, uh Cyrus Washington. What what have happened to him?
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, I just recently talked to him. He he still fights um here and there. He's back in I think he lives in Texas now. He had a left way fight against the, uh, Dave Leduc. uh, recently he lost, but, um, but yeah, he's still, he's still a gangster. Still, still one of the OG OGs. He's actually one of the guys that originally that I followed and and thought decided to come to Thailand. Cause he was one of the first people that really, I, I saw that was like doing what I, what I try to do, like living off your fight money and, and being a full-time fighter and as a foreigner and as American. And yeah, he was one of the guys that, uh. I really looked up to, he was like a superstar too. He's really good. He's on reality show called infusion. And I remember I messaged him before I moved to Thailand in 2010 and he messaged me back and I got all super struck. and I was like, wow, this guy's actually talking to me. And (laughs) yeah, he was a super cool guy. Then I ended up got to train with them and we trained at the same gyms and it was, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Cyrus, Big deal. Big, was a big influence on on my uh, early career too as well.
1: Yeah, so big shout-out and, and huge respect to Cyrus Washington because I remember he was super dedicated. I remember he would wake up every morning at, like, I don't know, the crack of sunrise to go for a run and never would, missed a day. He would run, like,
0: 10K. Yeah, never missed a day, and I just couldn't uh, – even when I tried to keep up with him back in the day, I was too, like uh, – I wasn't good enough, and I wasn't, like uh, – I wasn't as disciplined as him either. I was pretty lazy. I liked to sleep in, and, and – uh, and I was just like, man, this guy's on another level. And and there's no mistake why he was on another level. He was so dedicated, had so much discipline. So yeah, he was good.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, glad like I'm, I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear he's still doing good. Uh anyone else do, f- from those days that, that you kept in touch with or uh you follow along with?
0: Nah, not not really. Only Cyrus, the only reason I know about him is just because he's such a big name. But other than that, um, I mean, Boyd still runs his gym. Boyd is still running Puka Top Team, his wife Khan. Do you remember that's his Thai wife? <laughs> they still run top team, uh, but um, but yeah, I don't really. Uh, I, I've only kept in touch with, with Boyd a little bit just because I've had a few top team fighters fight on Thailand Fighting Championship, and then yeah, now I kind of did talk with him as a promoter, not so much as a fighter, and I don't train there anymore. So um,
1: so yeah, yeah, Boyd was an really interesting guy because he was pretty young when he when he opened that gym, and we were. Like one of the first members, I remember had just yeah. opened, like that. We month. were like
0: one of the first, the first batch of, uh, of fighters that were sponsored by Puka Top Team. I was the first fighter to represent a Puka Top Team in MMA when I fought in Dare Fight Sports in Bangkok. I was, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, like a lot of people uh, that are currently in Phuket and run gyms in Bangkok, a lot of those guys are from 2013 and 14 in the Tiger Muay Thai trials when they first happened and stuff. But uh, we were like all before that generation you know like we're like the how i, don't, I don't want to say ogs but yeah we're kind of like the 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 originals in, in on that street before that street really blew up and became what it is today
1: oh i'm so curious to see it cuz i remember that street like I mean, it was nicknamed Tiger Soy Tiger because that was Tiger Muay Thai was the only thing on that street. There was Dragon Muay Thai opposite, and then Tony's restaurant. Yep. And that was it. There was nothing else that entire street.
0: There was only two real restaurants, Tony's and Mamas. Oh, Jaja's, oh yeah, Mamas. Oh yeah, Mamas. Not there anymore. Okay. Um, top Team open, bro. There's like a dozen gyms on that road now. Literally yeah, and a I, dozen.
1: It's crazy. I've heard it's, it's super expensive now to, to live around there.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's one of the more expensive areas in Phuket. I would say is that whole road that road has became this weird they always uh, it's a joke now like you can either say soy muay thai it's called soy thai but it, people call it soy muay thai or soy falang and mm-hmm. if you say soy falang <laughs> and people know exactly what you're talking about soy falang they know exactly wow which uh the, the, which which road you're talking about and uh yeah soy muay thai they're like oh yeah yeah well, it's soy tiger they're everybody there's a bunch of different nicknames for the same road and it's this big famous place i would say puka now and that road in particular is probably the most famous like uh fitness training destination holiday destination in the world is that is that road now in phuket
1: and a yeah, lot of people don't, don't yeah know that. yeah especially after i started seeing it on um all these reality tv shows like uh what was the one by ufc where they kind of like i think they actually like went out to tiger Muay Thai a few times
0: um well they have a few ufc fighters that train at tiger now there's guys from osada that come to Tiger every once in a while and make the guys do their urine tests and do their piss tests and stuff. So like, yeah, Tiger Muay Thai is very much on the map nowadays. So is Bang Tao. I'm not sure if you probably haven't heard that. That's the newest big Uh super gym. It's owned by Volkanovsky. Uh, Volkanovsky owns 50% of it. Uh Um, That's a new huge super gym in in now. I definitely recommend while you're in Thailand, if you ever get the chance and want to reminisce to go check out that road, you'll be blown away. I don't recommend to stay on it. Maybe stay on it one or two nights just to get the feel for it. But it's totally, totally different now than than when we were there.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I want to see it. I I, I think I had the, these memories of it that I'm like, you know, let's just keep it that yeah. way because it yeah. was like it was really a special place. You know, I, if anyone wants to look at a map, just just look up. You know, uh, Phuket top team or time Muay Thai. You can see that that street they're both on, and they chose it because it was this cheap land with in the middle of nowhere, nothing on it. I mean yeah. from there to like Patong Beach or something like the famous beach it's like a 30 minute drive oh. like it was far yeah. from, from anything and
0: now that land is like some of the most expensive land in Phuket nowadays is that land on that road and it's, yeah, it's quite crazy and uh, there's now new like youtube videos where you can see tours scooty tours and there's like uh, people that go uh, like up and down the road and drive and make they, some people made some cool videos totally totally different now so yeah. Maybe just I, check out a video and I that'll be good enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep my yeah. my 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 uh, memories and dreams alive. Uh so this is a good yeah. time to take a quick break. Uh our zoom 40 minutes are almost up, but uh do me a favor and just log back on to that same link after a minute and we'll we'll uh, hop right back in.
0: All right, sounds good. Cheers. Okay, cool.
1: All right. So uh, we were talking about Boyd Clark. I remember the the owner of uh, Phuket Top Team. Do you remember how how he got the money to start that gym?
0: What's crazy is he used to work in the mines in uh, Western Australia. And what's crazy, I've been to Western Australia a few times for like gym seminars and I've I've done guest coaching at one of my friend's gyms over there. And man, the salaries and the hourly wages are so high. And if you work at the mines – Those guys make crazy money. And there's even a couple of people I know that make regular trips to Thailand and they, you know, work two, three weeks in the mines. They come to Thailand for, or Bali, they go for one or two weeks, they go back and forth. And that's how they live their life. And, uh, but yeah, he saved a lot of money working at the mines. And that's how he got his uh, initial money to come and help start Phuket top team.
1: Yeah. And that was really smart of him to do because I've, I've met a lot of people who have had similar, you know, uh, high paying seasonal jobs. And they either just blow it all, <laughs> you know, they they buy like, yeah. you know, Dodge, Dodge, you know, Charger Hellcats and like, you know, stay in like, um, you know, Hilton Hotels, for, you know, for their three weeks breaks and go to, you know, just blow it at strip clubs or bars. And they just have nothing to show for all that hard work. Uh, or, you know, the, like what you mentioned, like the people would, you know, uh, do, you know, three weeks on and three weeks off and just go on vacation somewhere where Come come train, but he was smart enough to save that money and actually start a business.
0: Yeah. And there even a lot of fighters are the same. They make all this big money fighting, and then they have nothing to show for. They don't buy any assets or buy a house or start a business. And even uh that's why I I try to be a little bit smart. Like I don't make great big, big, big money fighting, but anytime I do make big money from a fight, I take that money, save it. I use that money to to fund my my promotion, Thailand Fighting Championship. So yeah, I've, I've tried to like be smart as well because there's so many fighters at the end of their careers that end up with nothing, even though they've made they've had so many fights or made so much money fighting, and, and uh, yeah, it's it's sad to see. But uh, but <laughs> it's off to this podcast travel like a boss. It's like yo, make smart and wise financial decisions and let your money make money for you. Like um, don't don't just waste it, blow it on a good time, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but also I, I mean, what, one of the reasons why uh, it's nice having you on is first to kind of you know walk down memory lane and kind of catch up again, but also to show there's so many different ways to to travel. You know, like a boss, right? Like what yeah. you know, it could be pursuing your your passion, whether it's Muay Thai or scuba diving, or you can even just do something like you know work in a mine for a lot of money, you know, a lot of money and then travel, you know, during your, your three weeks off. Uh, it doesn't always have to be, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting a business. It doesn't have to be teaching English. Like it can be, there's so many different ways to do it.
0: Yeah. And there even a lot of guys that, that asked me about coming out to Asia. I'm like the easiest ways to come in teaching teach English, but I'm like, but don't let that be your end goal. A lot of people get comfortable and, they, they fall in like a rut and then they just like live week to week or month to month. And, and I'm like, yo, there's a lot of people I know too, that have came in with English teaching, but then they opened up their own restaurant or their own bar, or started their own side business and, and, and done pretty well. But then again, there's a lot of guys that get the fall in that, that, that life hustle grind and trap. And, and they kind of let them, because they don't have discipline, they trap themselves, you know? So yeah, I, I encourage people to be have a little bit of discipline.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely cuz I've met, you know, probably hundreds of of English teachers during my travels and I would say the vast majority of them hate it after a while. Like in the beginning they like yeah. it cuz it it's, it sounds like a easy job that, you know, pays well, but most of them end up just dreading it. <laughs> they just get so drained. oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I when I lived in Taiwan, I was a full-time like substitute English teacher for like four months. This was at the very beginning of my fight career, in the beginning of 2011, before I moved back to Thailand and met you at Puka Top Team and stuff. And uh, I made decent money, and I could have got comfortable. And I, I would have had a much more comfortable life living in Taiwan and being a full-time senior teacher. But I went back to Thailand and chased fighting. But even while I was, while I was in Taiwan, I was still training. Um, me and my friend, we started Taiwan Top Team and uh and we, we started a little gym and and i was still fighting i fought in china i fought in taiwan i fought in a few other places and and I, and I still never like uh let my dreams die and it's it's okay to find something like stable to make money but but still like have your goals and, and still slowly chip away at them so that can't your your passions can become can become your full-time gig
1: yeah absolutely so I, I I just thought of two names, uh, actually not from Puket Top Team, but from Tiger Muay Thai, of people who we knew uh, during those years. Magical Ray Elby, what is that guy oh, yeah, up right? to? Um,
0: he, yo, it's funny. Uh, you know, Cyborg, mm-hmm. uh, the female fighter, Cyborg. Him and Cyborg are in like been in a long term relationship for many many years now. Um, and as wow. far as I know, he helps manages her career and stuff. Does a lot of stuff for like social media wise and and uh he's back in america funny about ray because when i first came to thailand i wasn't at puka top team in 2010 i went to tiger and i did what you did i paid for my first two months of training and then i tried to get sponsored at a tiger they didn't want me um uh, first and i really think ray LB was the big part of that mm-hmm. uh, because i was one of the few fighters out there that even though i was young i used social media to get my own fights and um for a lot of gyms especially in Thailand, and places that's like a big no-no you're supposed to ask the coaches and ask the people but tiger is such a weird place because so many tourists and everybody's kind of out for themselves so i went and tried to got, get my own fights and uh and and uh yeah for some reason the guy didn't like me but, but i went to dragon and i got sponsored at dragon and then i moved back to taiwan and then i, I was like i did the english teaching in taiwan and then i moved back to thailand when Puketop top team opened up and i got an offered to 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 be sponsored at Puketop team so i so i took that offer but uh, yeah, Ray will be interesting character. Me and him are a lot cooler now. Uh, I met him a few times over the years, and but it was funny. I fought MMA against one of his uh, blue belts, and I remember he was like, Will Chobe. He's like talking shit at the press conference and at the weigh ins so I was like, I bet your whole purse you lose and blah, blah, blah. And he hated on me so hardcore. And, and i was just like i, I was so like naive because when i first came to tiger i was so excited i was like this guy was on the ultimate fighter mm-hmm. he's a big deal with a big record and fought all over the world and, and i thought he would be so cool and then when you meet him he was like the stereotypical arrogant asshole oh american yeah and just like no nah, he, 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 yeah. he defines the stereotypical douchehead like douchey american and like although being are okay now but at the time i did not like him and
1: yeah he yeah. was not
0: cool to me <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember I, I looked up to him as like he was like some um, you know reality TV star, and then I, you know what's funny is actually he was really only on the Ultimate Fighter for you know the first episode he got kicked <laughs> off, so I don't know why we worshiped him so much, but he was really the the first kind of a minor celebrity at Tiger Muay Thai. Since then, yeah,
0: he made, To be know. fair, like I will say, like he made Tiger what it became. He did have a huge social media influence and, like, yeah. he, he got like Dana White. I remember sponsored one of the TIE trainers, uh, Tight trainer, one of the TIE trainers at Tiger. Um, his daughter needed surgery and he asked Dana to like appeal uh, to him on social media and it was like a million bot surgery. And Dana White paid for this girl's surgery and saved her life. And, uh, so like, and, and I mean, Ray LB's not an all bad guy and it wasn't for his social media influence. Dana White would have never knew about that, mm-hmm. would never saved this girl's life um but he definitely put tiger like on the map and made he doesn't get the credit a lot of like well because it was like before the time before tiger really blew up and became super famous but he's one of the big reasons for it in my opinion
1: yeah i can definitely see that and i remember uh i can't remember anything, but i remember at that time uh at tiger the second kind of big name uh star that kind of showed up and started training there uh, was it Roger Horta. Do you remember him?
0: Yeah, Roger. I think Roger's still in Phuket. Roger Huerta. Yeah, Roger's still fucking savage, still beast. Kind of weird. Lives in lives in a weird. Uh, lives in like an isolated place in Phuket. Lives in a mountain in the jungle. Kind of trains by himself, does his own thing. But every now and then he goes into a gym and trains. And when he has to get ready for a fight or do something, he's he's a he's an interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> Done a lot of psychedelics, and he's definitely if you know that about. Roger got like if you know that beforehand it definitely shows <laughs> mm. but if you don't know him like he's just a super handsome charismatic guy and everybody like is so attracted and and, and and drawn to him and uh and even to this day everywhere he goes he's he's noticed and he's kind of a big deal still but uh but if, as far as I know he's still in Phuket last I heard
1: yeah. wow yeah I mean like Phuket I think definitely attracts uh, a very wide range of characters let's let's say that i mean there can literally yeah. I, I don't yeah. know why there hasn't been a reality show just filmed on Sword tiger it would do so well
0: Man, it would do so well it really would but i don't know why it hasn't either yeah uh, i've talked about that for ages who knows it might happen <laughs> it still might happen one day
1: yeah <laughs> So, the, the the other guy I remembered, remembered, uh, this guy was super behind the scenes. He actually wasn't a, a fighter, but he was a manager of Tiger Muay Thai at the time. Will Elliott, do you remember him?
0: Yeah, Will Elliott. Um, he worked, uh, he went to Evolve. Do you know Evolve in Singapore? The the, yeah. the same owner of Evolve owns one championship. He went and became a manager for Evolve in Singapore. And I'm not, not sure where he's at nowadays. Last I heard he was the manager at Evolve, but I'm not sure if he still has that job or not. But... Uh, yeah, man, a lot of lifers still like in Phuket, like there's a few people who've been here like over a decade in in South Southeast Asia still doing their thing. And still, or still, we're just been Americans still living overseas, and there's 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 not many of us, but there's there's a handful of us, and we all have like our own, our own interesting paths and stories. Went different ways, but a lot of us started out in fucking in Phuket, of all places.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I really think that was kind of the birthplace of everything. It was really strange. Um, yeah. I remember I spoke to Will a few years after uh, after he moved to, to to evolve. He hit me up and he actually offered me some kind of deal. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like he said, Hey, Johnny, like you have a pretty big following now. I know you, you know, if you want, you can come here, you can train for free, you can live for free, just, um, you know, kind of blog the whole thing or vlog the whole thing. And I, th- I, I considered it for a minute. Cause I was like, you know, what, that, that sounds like, you know, pretty good offer. Um, Cause I know Singapore is pretty expensive normally. You know, they had a really yeah. good cast of uh, trainers there. And I think at that time I was just kind of over the, my 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 fight career kind of journey i've always been the type where i'd kind of jump in you know two feet first uh on something and see if you know how i do with it and then i end up kind of just getting swayed into to doing something else
0: yeah like i think we're like i think a lot of fighters or even guys who were fighters like when we do stuff we're all in you know we go all in on everything and uh and and if if you don't feel like you can go all in on something then it's like oh it's, it's Better not to to do. It. If you're not if you want to be a fighter and you're not ready to go all in into it, dedicate your life to it. You're probably not going to go far, and that includes a lot of things like entrepreneurship and business and whatever passion people may have. And I definitely think if you're going to chase your passions, you got to go all in in on it. And yeah, at least that's my mindset. But uh so, yeah. so I don't I don't blame you. Yeah, absolutely. I got offered a uh, yeah. train at Evolve as well. I had a meeting with Heath Sims and uh, and their owner. But I ended up turning it down. I went to another smaller gym. I lived in Singapore on and off for quite a while between 2014 and 2018. And and then uh yeah, and then uh, <laughs> it was on and off. Singapore is a good place though, but but yeah, definitely a lot a lot different than Phuket for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, I really like this lifestyle here in, in Thailand. Phuket I've heard has gone too expensive, um, which is why I'm not yeah. down there this time. Uh normally I love Chiang Mai. It's cheap. It's nice. Uh, has a nice Muay Thai scene, uh, but it's burning season now, um, kind of March, April. So yeah. A lot of pollution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is why I'm at the new Muay Thai, uh, hotspot. Have you been out here to the, the Pattaya area?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I was out just outside of Pattaya in a place called, um, yeah. Or a gym called fight holics. Uh, I was there for a couple months, uh, the beginning of last year, and but uh, it didn't work out. I didn't really like Pattaya too much. I'm in Bangkok now. I live rear, right right next to Suvarnabhumi Airport. Uh, but my uh, my wife, her family is uh, her brother is in the Navy, and there's a big naval base at Satahip, which is just next to Pattaya. Mm-hmm. So we go to Satthihip often, and uh, every every now and then we go to Satahip and, and go see her her family out there. So so okay. cool nice yeah.
1: So, yeah so i'm actually not in patia it's it's too crazy for me I, I don't like the you know the crowds and like maybe like once a month i can go with friends to you know some crazy like uh you know beer bars but in general i just want to live near, near the beach somewhere chill so i'm in jump yeah. which is Oh jump
0: uh, yeah, chill it's one of my yeah. favorite places in patia and i always say if you're gonna live in patia or stay long term i think jump is the the best place to stay
1: yeah. yeah, and it's currently the only kind of good value you still uh buy a beach in, in Thailand because I've heard like Kosmoyko Penyang or and Phuket are so expensive now and you can't even find places yeah. for a month.
0: Yeah, and like um, ever since the war too, there's tons and tons of Russians mm-hmm. and tons of Ukrainians all in all in Thailand now. They're like they got signs in Kata and parts of Kata that are in Russia now because there's such a large Russian population in Phuket. Uh, I heard Patia, too. There's a bunch of Russians there as well. Not, maybe yeah. not in your area, but, but yeah, there's there's a lot, bro.
1: <laughs> no, there, there's a ton. I mean, all the little Thai restaurants next to me have Russian on the menus. Uh, I, I've spoken to the owners, and they say that the the Chinese tourists basically haven't really come back since um, since COVID. Uh, they go to Chiang Mai yeah. still, but they don't really go down to the, the islands anymore. And there's you know, not as many Americans or Europeans coming anymore for, for, you know, I guess different reasons, but it's the, the tourism market has been saturated by Russians.
0: Yeah. Russians and like China just allowed travel just a couple months ago too. So like, it's like slowly, slowly starting to come back to normal. And I mean, if you go to Puke, you'll think Phuket looks pretty normal. There's tons of foreigners, but a lot of those foreigners are definitely Russians and Eastern Europeans and a lot of people have like left the the war and just kind of like the chaos of of eastern europe and stuff and just how how expensive the cost of living like in america and everywhere else is i think the economy everywhere is kind of hurting so it makes it harder for people to just go be tourists for a month which is like a lot of what thailand's uh, tourism survives off of people who just you know leave for leave for the winter and come to thailand for a month you know I think a lot of people do that so mm-hmm. still well, not fully back to normal yet
1: Well, here uh, in Jompton, it is. Uh, I mean, it's. it's, I guess it's always been kind of under um, underdeveloped in terms of tourism, but it's cheap. I'm staying a place one block from the beach for ten thousand baht a month. Uh, That's three hundred bucks. You know, I'm eating sixty baht Thai food, so two dollar. You know, two dollar meals. Massages are still two hundred baht. I can't believe that. Like it it was two hundred baht. You know, ten years ago. You know, so for like $8 massages it, or no, $6 massages, it, it's, I don't understand how prices haven't gone up.
0: Uh, I think, yeah, a lot of the tourist places have, have definitely stayed the same. And also, you know, that's one thing I think has been great about Thailand. I haven't seen like massive inflation here. Like when I went back to America during COVID, fuck, man, the inflation is insane. And even since I've left America and talked to my family that's still there, it just seems outrageous. And I'm like, Thailand's this weird place that just inflation hasn't fully hit us yet, at least not yet, or anything. I hope it don't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, yeah, like, a lot of things are really, really reasonable and cheap. And even here where I'm in Bangkok, like, things are, are crazy cheap, like, still. So, I can't I, I yeah. complain.
1: The only problem with Bangkok from uh, what I've heard from my friends is there's not that many short-term kind of, like, monthly rentals. Um Like, he wanted to move there for just two or three months. And he said – he couldn't even get internet set up for three months. Like everywhere wanted a one-year contract. All the gyms wanted a one-year contract. Uh, all the apartments wanted a one-year contract. So there's either... Yeah, and you, have, know.
0: you have to go to like the real touristy areas and the price is a lot more. Um, I'm I'm lucky my wife's, my wife's Ty. She works for like local government. So I live with me and my me and wife. We have a place near, near on the outside of Swanaboom. Uh, I'm literally like three kilometers from the airport. So close. But uh <laughs> there's a, but uh, yeah, people just want to come to Bangkok for a month or two. They got to go to like the tourist areas and it is a lot pricier than other places in Thailand. So maybe not for like, but, but like the expat community in Bangkok is, is some of the best. You meet like real foreigners and real expats that are here for like a real reason. And <laughs> like we talked about Puke, it attracts like all kinds of people from all walks of life. And uh, you, in a lot of the touristy places you meet the people at like a, uh, I don't want to say pieces of shit, but you meet a lot of like just people barely surviving. Granted, you get some good, you meet some good people, but you meet some of the worst people too. And you meet people like I've meet people from all walks of life, but, but uh like places like Singapore or just, or like in Bangkok, when you meet a lot of the expats that are actually have real jobs and people for like here for real reasons, it's it's, it's definitely a different crowd. And it's, it's, I don't know for me, I I, I appreciate that more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Especially as we're getting older. I mean, I, you know i gotta admit yeah. when i was in my 20s i was all about that you know debauchery life right yeah, going crazy getting drunk yeah. like, chasing girls doing stupid things you know but uh, now that I'm we were both older you know it's like i don't need that anymore you know it's like it's i want to have a normal calm life
0: yeah just like just be around other people that are just on like a similar path and just just living, just living their life and enjoying their life, but not like just happen to be crazy every fucking weekend or every, every night. And uh, granted there was a time for that and it was fun, but uh, yeah, I'm past that now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you guys want to read about that part of my life, you know, that book that, uh, that we'll mention earlier, 12 weeks in Thailand, the good life on the cheap. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I talked about you in that book as well. I mean, our, our kind of, uh, you know, adventures of living as you know, full-time yeah. fighters in, in Phuket in the early what two thousand tens, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great book, guys. And like I said, my problems with the other books, it's a book based on like real experience, giving you the real breakdown of the real prices. And prices haven't changed that much since you wrote since you wrote that book. Maybe a little bit more expensive, I would say, like ten or twenty percent more expensive, but still, still quite cheap, you know. And, and uh, people can still do it, but uh, yeah,
1: well, <laughs> yeah. especially now that the Thai bot is is so much weaker against the dollar. Uh, I remember. I mean, it fluctuates, but I remember the kind of the weakest the dollar was, was maybe like 25, 26 to the dollar. Now it's at like 34.
0: Yeah, I've, I've never really, I've only seen it go down to 30 a few times in my life since I've been out here. But it's it as long as, I always feel like $1 for 30 baht is fair. But if I ever get more than 30 baht, I always feel like I'm winning. If it's under 30 baht, I'm like, ooh, it's not good right now. But I'll hold on to my dollars and not change them. But yeah. Anytime it's over 30, I feel like quite quite happy about it
1: yeah oh, you know what you're right i I was thinking uh like third yeah thir- thirty was low but then actually I remember for a while it was at like forties and um kind of the weird like right in the beginning like two thousand no uh, uh you know what i'm 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 thinking uh I, I'm I'm up the grievna which is the the Ukrainian hryvnia, which is very similar it's it's basically almost the same as the Thai bot it's uh wow. Like like thirty 34 36 you know, uh to the dollar. But yeah, it's definitely changed. I'm the, the, the peak, I'm looking at a graph now, September twenty-two, the peak was what, thirty-seven. And then the lowest it was it dipped right under twenty um December twenty twenty. And when we were when we were around what year was that? Two thousand and Eleven, yeah. Eleven? Yeah, it was right under thirty. It was like twenty nine.
0: Yeah, and anytime we got under thirty, I didn't like it because anytime I fought in China or fought in other places, I always got paid in US dollar or US dollar equivalent. And so I didn't like when the US dollar was weak. <laughs> it was like, oh starts. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I fight internationally, I'm usually paid in US USD. Um yeah. Oh, Get I do excited. got a beef with you. Totally off topic. Like uh, One of the main, I went to Sri Lanka in uh, last year, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons I went to Sri Lanka and I was so excited about it was because I watched all your vlogs when you were living there mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was so excited. But when I went to Sri Lanka, I went to Sri Lanka right when their crisis happened and even oh, no. still to this day, the crisis is still going on where the country doesn't have power uh, every now and every day. The power gets shut off for a few hours, and when I was there, <laughs> it was super random. They might just turn off the power in the whole country. It wasn't just Colombo; it was all over. Because I went to Marissa and I went to, to uh, Hikadua a few times, and uh, and I think I talked to you a few times. I was thinking about opening a gym gym there because I have an affiliate gym uh, in Colombo called Fightful, mm-hmm. um, the, their affiliate of the Kill Team, and uh, <laughs> and I was really excited. I was going to make a full time move there, and then. Yeah, I did not enjoy my time in Sri Lanka. I actually did yeah. not like that country at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I, the...
0: sure.
1: <laughs> I I oh, was man, lucky was that cool. I, I got out before that happened. But I mean, there was I I also had my fair share of problems while I was there. I mean, Sri Lanka is one of those weird places. It's it's like they it's a paradise island, but you know, government wise, it hasn't been the the best managed over the last thirty yeah. years. Lo- had a lot of I issues. Was-
0: it's always weird like because because i've been on and off in thailand over the years i always look for a place like i always look for greener pastures and sometimes i i don't realize how great thailand is because thailand is such a great convenient country good infrastructure fast internet like like 7-elevens everywhere you can get everything at the 7-elevens and just when i went to Sri Lanka, i could there's many times i couldn't even get ice in my drinks i know it sounds like a little dumb thing but like dumb shit like that drove me yeah. nuts and just put no yeah. power couldn't charge my phones uh, couldn't get internet, like, there's many, many things about Sri Lanka I just didn't like. The good thing is I made good relationships with her. I was there for the first WBC Muay Thai event. Um, there's also a Fight Soul gym in the Maldives, in Mali, huh? and I, I'm affiliated with them as well. I just saw you were in Maldives. I'm actually supposed to go there sometime this year, do seminars and go go visit go visit my affiliate gym, But, uh, but yeah, like, Definitely – uh, but I definitely didn't like Sri Lanka. <laughs> and I was like, man, I watched all of Johnny's videos. I thought this place is going to be awesome or like a new Phuket. And I definitely didn't see that.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I mean um, <laughs> I, I think with was definitely the the, the electrical uh, situation that messed everything up. But you're right. Like in general, it just – like the infrastructure is not anywhere as good as in Thailand. Like the, the internet yeah. sucks when I was there. Uh, I heard it's gotten slightly better since that, mainly because of people like me just, you know, just bitching about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> but like Thailand really is a special place. I mean, I, I was actually supposed to sp- spend another week in in Maldives, not at one of those expensive touristy islands, but on one of the local islands where I thought, not you know, him. I. I thought I had found the hack. I was like, oh, I can live in this, you know, beautiful paradise place, you know, that still has amazing uh, beaches and, and fish life, but you know, kind of do it on the on the cheap by living like a local. The internet there huh. is so terrible. And there's just so it's so hard to get anything. Like not not even just like on the you know, remote islands, which I would understand, but even in Malay, the capital and yeah in Hulomali, which is a <laughs> brand new built uh, extension to the capital that they they had um advertised as you know the world's first gigabit enabled city you know every everything was like th- this island was reclaimed sand so they basically built it from scratch and they said that every house every business is going to have gigabit gigabit um internet because they're going to lay fiber everywhere it's been 5 years and the place is already falling apart. Like there's like potholes on the street already, and no one has Wi-Fi. Like their Wi-Fi is so terrible that I was like, "How did this happen?"
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird too because like people don't know Maldives is like they have like real wealth there, but it's still it's like a middle as islands island country in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So
1: maybe it's not there yet. I
0: haven't been the Maldives yet, but. If it's anything like Sri Lanka, I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> it, it, it,
1: it's, it's it's honestly it's worse than Sri Lanka. <laughs> like it's it's oh, way man. more beautiful. Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, but infrastructure wise, it's not good at all. Uh
0: ah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll still try to be a little bit positive when I visit later this year.
1: <laughs> and it's expensive. Yeah, but yeah, Thailand. I mean, like literally, we have found like the perfect spot. I, I think it's unfair to every other country because Thailand, like infrastructure-wise, you know, uh, internet speeds, uh, the connections around, you know, the country, you know, whether it's by train or plane or bus. Yeah.
0: And that's it's the just cost so to live good. Yeah. So I've lived in Malaysia on and off a lot and I've touched there a lot, but like, I always laugh at like how close Thailand and Malaysia are together, but like how completely different the countries are. And Thailand's just such a great place and it's such a great place to be, so yeah I'm, I'm happy to be here to be here now <laughs>
1: yeah so here for the long run what, what kind of visa are you on
0: um i just got an education visa and i'm actually gonna be <laughs> my wife is like you even though i'm married um, uh, marriage visa here is not like it is in other countries so i i, I can't like legally work on a marriage visa um i have a tfc my own company and we can sponsor my own work visa through tfc but when tfc gets bigger eventually i'll do that but right now I'm on ed- education So My wife's like, you need to learn Thai. <laughs> my Thai needs to get better because it's still pretty bad. So, so I'm, I'm actually studying Thai now. So. Well, you know, it's only
1: been twelve years. <laughs> Give yourself a break, right?
0: <laughs> I man, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> and most of my Thai still to this day that I've learned was from 2011 oh
1: when God. I was fucking
0: broke and like and like learning to talk to girls and learning like when I was when I was single I like had more incentive to learn, but like but it's funny. My wife has a master's degree and she speaks Thai. Uh, she speaks English. So like perfectly, I, I feel like there, there isn't like a lot of reasons I need to learn it. And, yeah. and there's so many expats here. I, I don't actually, and and the, the Thai that I do know, like to order food and get stuff or I get directions or like, I still have a basic level of Thai that I can, I use like on, on a daily basis. and And, and it's always seemed to be enough, but like, as far as like intricate conversations, uh, I'm still not very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I know the trap. I'm, i have I'm the same. I was you know living here for for years and years and never got past you know ordering food at restaurants.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bye, bye. So, like just the basic stuff. Where you going? What are you yeah. doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of which, so how long have you been married now? Uh, me and my wife
0: just got married uh, last November.
1: Oh, congratulations! And what about any uh, kids?
0: Um, I have three kids, but that's with my uh, with my ex. Um, but yeah, me, and my wife now, like we don't have any kids.
1: Okay, uh, Madge, do you become like a, a family man now? You're married again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been
0: like fully like I always say I'm from America, but I don't have any intention to go back to America and like live there. I will visit every once in a while and go see my my parents there, but uh, other than that, I don't really. Have like, like, my life's over here. I have built my my career and my life in Asia, fighting and traveling and coaching all over, and uh, my promotions here. I definitely just want to continue that, you know? And uh, I signed a contract, a four fight contract with the Bare Knuckle organization called BYB. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did a show in the UK. I'm sorry, in the, in the fight I just fought in last week was in Dubai, but they have another show in the UK in June, and they do a lot of shows in Florida. What's funny is one of the partners is Dada 5000. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you know data 5,000, one of the guys that Kimbo slice was, Okay. but he, he, um, but anyways, there's a big bare knuckle organization in America. So with that, or with our organization, I can go back to America and fight and, and use that time to go see my family and still, and still travel and live overseas and like do my thing, you know? So,
1: well, let me ask have... you this. So let's yeah. say hypothetically, one of these organizations said, will we want you to move back to, back to the U S you'll get a six figure you know, salary, uh, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll fight, you'll fight there and you'll, you know, you'll, uh, coach. Would you, would you take it?
0: I mean, I might take that six figure for like a big fight or something, but I would like, I still think I can make six figures like fighting in other shows and, and even going there to fight. I don't, I don't think I it has to require me like leaving to me. You, that's one thing people think about Taiwan, but too, like people think Taiwan want a green card or a visa, but I'm like me and my wife have no intention to like leave Thailand and like uh, to like live in America or anything like that. Like uh, I think America was like the, the land of opportunity and place to go maybe in the nineties, but even in the early two thousands, but I don't think that's, I think the world's changed a lot nowadays. And, and I don't think uh, at, least, at least for me, that's not, that's that's not where I see my future
1: at. Yeah, I I feel exactly the same way. I mean, you could offer me a uh, hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, sitting in an office in the U.S., and, and I wouldn't take it. So, I'm yeah. glad, uh, both of us, you know, even though we're on different journeys and different paths, that we're still, uh, where we need to be and still living, uh, living a dream, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's to do what we we just doing what we want to do, you know? That, that's honestly my dream, just to do what I want to do and what I like to do. and I'm, I'm lucky enough to do that every day, And so I don't I want to change it, that anytime
1: soon. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah, I look forward to hanging out in Bangkok or out here in Jom uh in the next few weeks when, when we see each other. Uh, if people yeah, want to see... For sure.
0: uh, next time, my, my wife should be going to Sat Tape in a week or two, so if you're still there, I'll definitely come and stop by and come to Jom 10 and hang out. That would definitely yeah. be
1: cool. Yeah, let's do it. 100%. Uh I I'm, I'm so tempted to to to, to spar again cuz it's 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 been 12 years, but man, I haven't trained. Like actually it's funny. I I still do uh jiu-jitsu once in a while. And pe- uh, do you do you do this at all or just MMA sometimes?
0: No, I still still jiu-jitsu. I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu now. So like um, yeah, like I would love oh. if like, we can just go and we can roll for sure. That'd be awesome. I love well, to roll. Most of my yeah. wins in MMA, I have 40 wins by MMA, but I think like 20-something of them are by rear naked choke. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, what, so, like, you... I love Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah.
1: Wow, so you're you're a legit brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu?
0: Yeah, 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 I should be getting my black belt actually later this year. That's I amazing. Just have to, because I be, I, be, I be JJF Federation, I have to have my brown belt for a year and a half before I can be promoted to a black. So um, once I hit that time mark, I'll, I'll go see my coach and, I should uh, like as long as I pass the test, I should get my black belt this year.
1: So here's what, what's hilarious. I was going to say to you is we probably started training jujitsu around the same time. um, And like around what, 2010 or so, or did you start earlier?
0: Yeah. About 2010. Yeah. 2010 is when
1: I, yeah. So we started at the same time. So we were probably, you know, at uh, at a very similar level. I mean, I, I remember we would spar sometimes. And since then, you've gone on to become a brown belt which in jiu-jitsu for anyone who doesn't understand it's not like taekwondo or like karate where, where you can get a black belt you know online in 2 years like it's a legit difficult belt to get you know you go through uh the blue belt and then purple belt uh then brown which each takes a few years and you have to yeah, legitimately be people, good people
0: people take your black belt jiu-jitsu is like this the equivalent of getting your phd in uh, your education
1: in like rocket science, yeah. So yeah. here's the funny thing is I've technically been rolling for 12 years uh, and I still have my white belt.
0: Oh, you just haven't done Gi then and you haven't been like properly promoted or been under... Yeah, G. it's just because I... all the time too.
1: I'm just so inconsistent where I'll I'll do it for a month or two and then I'll stop for a year and then I'll do it for a month or two I'll stop for a year and, I'll cha- and I change gyms every time. So I've never been anywhere long enough for someone to actually promote me. But it's always funny right. when I walk into a new gym, and I'm almost always in a shiny new white gi because I end up leaving them behind and I have to buy a new one. So I just like show up at these gyms, and you know people people are like, I can't. They're like, I can't tell if you're good or not because like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, I use that Actually, my coach, I didn't get my blue belt until 2015. So, five years of training before like, even fighting pro, I was in the UFC. I was in the UFC as a white belt. And then in 2015, I finally got my blue belt because my, my coach just threw it at I me. Mean, he's like, You're a fucking blue belt now. Stop it, you sandbagger. You made me do a jiu jitsu tournament. I did one jiu jitsu tournament in my life. I won a gold medal. And then I was like, All right, that accomplishes my jiu jitsu dreams. Yeah. Because, like, my, my biggest thing about money is, like I don't like jiu jitsu because you have to pay to compete. Mm-hmm. And even that one jiu-jitsu tournament I did I had four matches in one day And I got more sore and more injured From that jiu-jitsu tournament than I did from like a Full-on fist fight yeah. And I was like alright jiu-jitsu I'm not going to pay to do this Yeah, I've never really done jiu-jitsu tournaments So I was like I'm, if I'm going to compete I want to get paid so,
1: exactly. so, yeah. so speaking of which <laughs> If you want to see your, uh, your upcoming fights uh, What do you have coming up
0: Um, I'm, I'm fighting in uh, Hokkaido Japan On uh, May 14th and Asahi, Asahi Kawa for a, sh- a show called Style FC. If people would follow my Instagram at Asia Will the Kill, or even my YouTube Will Chope TFC, um, I post all a lot of my fights there, and uh, and also like all of my my upcoming news is always on my Instagram, so people can follow me there.
1: All right, awesome. Uh, Asia at Asia Will the Kill, definitely uh, check them out, follow them, and really good catching up. I look forward to hanging out in person.
0: Yeah, cheers, man. Definitely going to be good times.